and welcome to my podcast. I'm Connie. I'm a certified nutritionist and personal trainer, and I live on a small hobby farm. I have a huge passion for bodybuilding, but I don't fall into the typical bodybuilding mold. The naysayers, they can have their bro science. Yep, I said it. I'm a natural health and nutrition nerd. Some would call me a granola, but that couldn't be further from the wrong word. I stay away from the typical processed, standard American diet, and I don't eat granola. I created this podcast to share my health journey and the many things I've learned in my quest to find what it takes to live a mindful, happy, balanced life for all humans, not just athletes. I hope to help you discover your inner nerd and help you make some hefty deposits into your knowledge bank account that can help you crack your health code. But we do this continuously for days, months, years, depending on your threshold, right? How much stress can you actually adapt to before you start to see this breakdown and dysfunction in the body? At some point, you're going to hit that threshold and that cheesecloth is no longer going to be able to heal, Now we are allowing larger particles of food to pass through the gut lining. So that's where we call it a leaky gut. And that's excessive intestinal permeability. And that's not healthy because these larger particles passing through the gut lining are going into our bloodstream, but our body doesn't know how to recognize those as building blocks, right? Those aren't aren't nutrients that our body's like, hey, I know what that is. So we attack it. And this is where we end up with an immune response. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Fit Farming Food Mom. Today, I have a real treat for you on the show. I have Dr. Hannah Layden. She's a neurologically based pediatric chiropractor who focuses on children and individuals who struggle with learning, socialization, behavioral and developmental challenges. A large part of their practice is focused on gut health and how it affects the brain. So Dr. Hannah and I are going to talk about that a little bit today. And before we get started, I do have to apologize. We do not have a perfect connection. We are practicing social distancing. And so Dr. Hannah and I were not able to get together physically, even though we live right in an area next to each other. So the connection is not 100% and I do apologize for that, but I still think you'll be able to enjoy the episode and get some pearls out of it. Another note, if you could hit pause real quick and just subscribe to the podcast, maybe give it a like. And then if you're on Apple Podcasts, I would absolutely love a written review. That would be very helpful for me in sharing this podcast. I don't have a lot of ads on here and my reviews and subscriptions, they keep me going so that other people can find my podcast. So if you could do that, I would be very appreciative. So without further ado, now let's get into my talk with Dr. Hannah. I'm so excited to have you on the show, Dr. Hannah. First of all, can you introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are and what you're all about? Absolutely. So um, my name is Dr. Hannah Layden. I am a chiropractor. I'm actually a 
chiropractor and I work um, with the pediatric population um, as well as chronic illness and neurodevelopmental challenges. So I am at Spolstra Family Chiropractic in Focus, which is in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Um, and that was founded by Dr. Amy Spolstra, who is really the pioneer in our profession as far as working with kids um, with neurodevelopmental challenges and working with within brain development. So um, I have a pretty cool job. <laughs> you have an amazing job. And, and the stuff that your guys' clinic is doing is so incredible. And um, Dr. Amy's story is pretty amazing as well. Uh, and we've actually uh, had experience with her um, in the past. So yes. I'm a big believer in what she's doing. And it's amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. We, um, yeah, exactly. We are, we have a brick and mortar in Coeur d'Alene, um, taking care of patients with, um, in the chiropractic realm, but also we have an additional program in our office that works with kids again, with neurodevelopmental challenges, which is a four pillar program. Um, neuro-based pediatric chiropractic care is part of that as well as gut healing is a part of that as well. And then we have the neurodevelopmental um, sorry, the neurodeflective retraining as well as brain-based mentoring. So that program now has actually taken off as far as philosophically and educationally. Dr. Amy teaches chiropractors all over the country um, what she does <laughs> and what she has built. Um, and we have, so we have other chiropractors now that are able to provide this with it to their community as well because it is unique. Um, and then we also, and now it is also gone online. So we have an online program that also um, is taking off as well. So what we're doing in Coeur d'Alene is amazing. And now we're able to reach more families and help more communities and people. So it's, this is going to be a big year. That's exciting. And it, like I said it before, it's really incredible what you're doing. Can you kind of um, give a, I, I know you're doing amazing big things and it's a lot to talk <laughs> yeah. about, but can you kind of give a small overview of what you do and who you help? Yes, absolutely. So um, we're neural-based chiropractors, which is a little different than when people think of chiropractic. Most people think more traditional chiropractic care, which is more twisting, cracking, the popping noises that you hear, um, which is great. We have a lot of friends that are more traditional chiropractors, and it does help to temporarily decrease um, pain. It helps with range of motion, helps um, temporarily decrease muscle spasm. Um, we just work in a very, I would say, different realm because um, we're looking more neurologically and we really want to know what is going on within the nervous system that's contributing or causing some of the symptoms that you might be having. So that can span, you know, other symptoms, right? Like headaches. Um, it can also, we can also look at like neck pain, back pain, those types of things. But what we really, who we really work well with is people who are struggling one, again, with brain development, neurodevelopmental challenges, um, traumatic brain injury, um, learning behavioral socialization and behavioral challenges, chronic illness, autoimmune, um, people who've kind of been everywhere else and are still looking for something to help them. Because what we do is we look for root cause in, within the nervous system, how the body is functioning, and that's where we start. 
Um, so we actually measure the nervous system in our office. We use advanced technologies to, to say, hey, what's going on objectively um, using heart rate variability, thermography, like different tools so that we can actually get a good idea. Symptoms tell us something's wrong, doesn't always tell us what's wrong. So if it is an issue within how the body's communicating and able to function, we can then correct that. Um, and we do that again a little differently. We're very specific, very gentle approach. Um, seeing, being that we see a ton of kids, um, nothing is, you know, nothing is forceful or nothing hurts. Um, and then again, it, we are able to take that approach across a wide variety of different people and conditions. And, uh, would you say that primarily a lot of the, um, the youth that you're working with are autistic or on the spectrum in some way? We do see um, individuals who are officially diagnosed or on the spectrum, whether, um, you know, it's with a diagnosis or autism spectrum disorder diagnosis. Um, we also see, though, a ton of kids that don't have a diagnosis. Um, you know, we, we, we do see more diagnoses now in this day and age, I think, um, because we are seeing more we're, we're seeing more challenges right are if we if we're looking at a general population of kids these days a teachers would definitely tell you that we're seeing more learning behavioral socialization challenges um so we do see people with diagnosis but we also see some kids potentially who could have a diagnosis they don't um, but we look at that behavior through a little bit of a different lens so that, that's also a little different for our office. Um, behavior is really, for us, it's a window into the brain. Um, Dr. Amy teaches, again, teaches this kind of different way of thinking when we're looking at neurodevelopmental disorders as, you know, it's, it's giving us an idea of where kids are within a developmental trajectory. So um, kids can be, or individuals, people, right? We're all somewhere on this, we call it a hierarchy of development, which when we look through it that way, we see all these different kind of behaviors and it really tells us a lot about the individual. <laughs> and then we can look at that and assess that and have an objective way of being able to help them overcome different challenges. Which is, it's really incredible stuff. Um, and like part of the reason that I grabbed you on here today, yeah. as you know, is to maybe talk about the gut brain connection, Absolutely. because I find that modern medicine is more likely to say, uh, hey, you have depression, here's a mm -hmm. pill. They don't look into what could be causing that further. Um, they don't expand into that at all. Um, that is pretty much the the limitation of treatment that they put out there for for most of the population mm -hmm. so with that being said there are a lot of factors um relating to your gut yes. and your digestion that actually are affecting your mood and you know your thoughts and even impulses you know so i'm hoping today yeah. you'll be able to talk a little bit about how that affects yeah things. so so with the focus program that we have, like we are, we are helping with the nervous system, you know, that communication between your brain, right, your body and your brain, 
basically your brain is absorbed or getting information from your body and your environment constantly. Um, and it's utilizing that information, processing it, making executive decisions on how to run your body. So making sure that we're sending appropriate information to the brain is really important, right? Making sure the brain is able to communicate back down to these vital organs that it's relaying different information to, to be able to function optimally at different times. Um, but then we also work, we also, another pillar of our program is gut healing because, because that has become, the gut has become such a big, I would say issue in most people's health. Um, and we know that the gut and the brain are very closely connected. Um, you know, we now have research to say, hey, the gut is the second brain because of how much information that gut is actually sending to the brain, which is then impacting the brain and the brain's decision on, again, how we process information, how we're thinking, how we're, how we're sending more information down to our body. And it's true. It affects personality and it can, when we have dysfunction between this gut brain or this information being sent to the brain, it can symptoms, right? Symptoms of depression, anxiety, OCD, um, you know, looking at all of these type of behavioral symptoms as for us windows into how the brain is functioning, but also again, how the brain and the body are functioning together because we know how much information is being sent from the gut. So, you know, we can simplify that and we can say, yep, the gut and the brain are connected. And, and Dr. Amy likes to make this joke because I do a whole big, you know, hour and a half lecture on gut brain connection. And she goes, oh yeah, yeah, well, you know, we all know how the gut and the brain are connected because if anyone's ever drank alcohol before, you know, where do we put, you know, when we drink alcohol, where do we put it? we put it in the gut, but where do we feel it? We feel it in the brain. Same thing, yeah. right? Like, and same thing yeah. when we give our kids sugar, where do we put it? We put it in the gut, but where do we see it, right? Like as parents, we see it in the brain. These kids' brains go on fire when we feed them sugar. So, so we know, we know there's a connection, um, but we can, we can definitely go much deeper than that when we're talking about how they're connected. Um, be, you know, and how that intricately plays a part in our overall health. So um, one of the things we say, too, is that they're connected by, you know, when the gut is stressed, we're relaying information to the brain that we're stressed. The same way when we're stressed in our brain, we are communicating to the gut that we're stressed. So the biggest way that these two things are, you know, these two areas of our body are connected is um, well, a couple different ways, but one of the biggest ways is through the vagus nerve. Um, so the vagus nerve is one of the largest cranial nerves in your entire body, and it runs from your brainstem down to all the vital organs in your body, and it plays a really intricate role in relaying information between your brain and your body. Same, just like what I said, when we're stressed in our gut, it's telling our brain we're stressed. When our brain is stressed, it's telling our gut we're stressed and, and vice versa, right? When we're in a calm place in our brain, we're relaying calm information to our gut. When we have a healthy gut that's functioning optimally, we're relaying that information to our brain. Um, 
So this right. vagus nerve is a key player in what we call the autonomic nervous system, which is basically everything that happens automatically in your body. And that kind of more stressed state versus more relaxed and calm state um, is your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. And we are constantly navigating between these two different parts of our nervous system. We're, we're switching back and forth when appropriate. Our sympathetic nervous system is more that fight, flight, or freeze. It's our survival mode. So, you know, if a saber-toothed tiger jumps into my bedroom right now, <laughs> you know, like, I would go into survival mode. So my body right. would basically, to take care of me, would divert blood away from my vital organs. My consciousness would go back into my brainstem. And I would start making decisions based on how do I survive. Um, we can do that when, when we don't have a saber-toothed tiger jumping into our room, right? We can do that when we have a confrontation at work or we're driving to work and there's traffic. We can have that this feeling when we have you know, a huge to-do list and we're not getting through it. Um, it can be perceived stress, right? It doesn't even have to be real stress. It can be perceived. We can be creating this stress in our brain, in our thought process to put us into a more sympathetic state. So it's, it's really this, you know, increase in any type of stress, whether that's physical, chemical, or emotional that drives us into a more sympathetic state. Um, and it's okay. It's, you know, it's appropriate for us to go into that state, but we need to also be able to come back into a parasympathetic state. Parasympathetic state is where we're growth and healing and we rest and digest and we relax and our body goes more into a state of regeneration and blood flow to those vital organs and, and our consciousness comes back into our prefrontal cortex, that main front part of our brain where we're able to use more executive decision-making and we have more rational thoughts. Um, we can think through things. Um, and so we need to be living the majority of our life in a more parasympathetic state, right? Just, just for a conscious standpoint or just like, you know, when we think about those two states, like where would we like to live the majority of our life? More, probably more in a parasympathetic state. Most of yes. us, most of us, and I can say this definitively because we actually test this in our practice. We test to see where people are in their nervous system. Are you being at a more sorry, more sympathetic state, or are you relaxing in a parasympathetic state? And we do this through a heart rate variability test. Most people are revving their engines harder than they need to be, right? If they were at a stop sign, mm -hmm. that foot is still on the gas and they're still revving their engine. They are living life in a more sympathetic state. Well, the issue there is when we look at how when our body goes into a sympathetic state and we're, we're, that blood flow is leaving our vital organs, going to our limbs, because again, we're in survival mode. We need to be able to run away from that saber-toothed tiger. But it also impacts how our different systems are functioning. So when we look specifically at digestion, we see a decrease in salivary enzymes and like salivation. We see a decrease 
in digestive function. And that's, you know, stomach, bile production, pancreatic um, enzymes and hormones. Um, we see a decrease in intestinal function. That movement through the intestinal tract slows down. That's going to increase toxins in our body. It's going to increase inflammatory um, markers and cytokines. And so we, most of us, live in that more sympathetic state. We've created an environment in our gut that's more stressed, right? And we're putting food into that stressful system. It makes it much harder for us to digest and utilize the food that we're putting in our gut. Um, not to mention that information that we're sending to our brain, right? It's that like vicious cycle of our gut is stressed because we are in a stressful state and then we're putting food into our gut. And as you know, Connie, most people don't put the appropriate food in their gut either, which is going to, which is no. going to add to the stress, right? When we're putting certain foods into a digestive system, that, that is already going to be more stressful, but then you're putting it into a stressed gut that's not functioning optimally. It just adds to the issue. Um, yeah. Right. And it's funny because a lot of people think they're eating okay. Yeah. I mean, back before <laughs> I made the switch, which you guys were a big influence in that, but back before I made the switch, I, um, I, I cooked everything pretty much from scratch, but scratch still included like buying pasta mm -hmm. noodles at the store yeah. and like canned marinara sauce or you know things like that and so when I really started examining what I was putting in my mouth I was like holy smokes yep. I didn't know yet I had no clue yeah. you know and I mean the other day I had an encounter with somebody and they're like yeah I eat super healthy I cook from scratch I do this um I put I have I make a lot of Chinese food. I do soy sauce. And then he has a whole bag full of Rockstar mm -hmm. energy drinks. That is, you know, and I was just like, oh, man, <laughs> there, <laughs> you know, there is unfortunately some disconnect in certain things. I, I think most people try really hard to do what's right. Right. But again, we only can do that if we have the information at the time. And so that's why we learn. Right. That's why we seek out more information right. so that. When we get new information, we can say, okay, what does that mean to me? And then use that to make better choices and decisions and better choices and decisions for our families. And, and we, can, we can make better choices. So, yeah, it's, but it is, a, it is a learning curve. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. for sure. So um, along with the, the eating of the food that is really probably yes. not so healthy, um, people start to develop some, um, some gut, um, yeah. unhealthy gut <laughs> symptoms. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're fine. Speak so, there. I mean, so yeah. So we look at like, one, are we living in a more stressful state and we have this gut that's not able to actually neurologically function the way it's supposed to. Um, but then we can look at how we are, what environment we ourselves are choosing to create. Because let's be honest, like our ability to deal with stress or uh, the amount of stress we all take on isn't always a choice. <laughs> it's not always our choice no. how much stress we can, uh, we, we have to deal with. Um, and we all have a different level of stress that we can actually handle. It's like at that threshold. 
Um, and it's not until we hit that threshold that we do start to see that dysfunction where we start to see it lead to symptoms. So we have a gut that's not functioning appropriately. We're, we're not probably, maybe not giving it the appropriate foods. Maybe we are, and we still, but yet we still have a gut that's not functioning appropriately. That's why like in our program, our, the biggest thing we tell these, these families who enter the focus program or who just enter our practice is the first thing we have to do is help make sure we're sending appropriate information to the brain, right? We need to um, make sure neurologically that we are commu- communicating effectively between this brain and body so that we know that if, if we feed the body the appropriate food, that it's going to be received well and be able to be digested and utilized. Um, but eating the wrong foods, I mean, that's, that's a whole, whole other area that we dedicate to this second pillar uh, is like what we eat and how we eat and why we eat it, right? Um, because we kn- mm-hmm. Because we know, again, the foods that we eat are going to become a stressor or they're going to either like fuel our bodies or they're going to become a stressor in our bodies that our bodies are going to have to deal with. Um, and this, you know, we, we eat a lot of processed foods nowadays. Um, uh, we, you know, my, yes. I'm not I'm in no way like a nutritionist like that, you know, I, I know certain things, but I'm not, that's not my area of expertise, but yeah, exactly. It's mine though. This is why yes. we have multiple people on our teams, right? <laughs> so we don't all have to know everything, but but I mean, I tell right. the practice members, you know, that eating whole foods, right? The simpler the food, most likely the healthier it is for us because we have to know that the body has to take that food, recognize, be able to take, break it down into the nutrients and particles that it can utilize to then fuel our body to help with our cell regeneration, cell growth, feed our brain be able to carry out the processes to help keep us alive. When we eat a lot of things mm-hmm. that we don't even recognize, <laughs> you know, our bodies are probably not able to do a whole lot with that. And so then it just becomes a taxing load on the digestive system and your intestinal tract to be able to, to deal with that. Um, I, we do um, in our pillar two program, we do talk about food because of that impact on the gut and how it affects the brain. Um, we know that it affects the brain too, because we, we see as stress in the gut, especially with certain foods that we eat, we create what's called a leaky gut. So, so gut permeability. Mm-hmm. So, so if this, this is a really easy way to explain the gut and um, the permeability of the gut lining. Tom O'Brien, Dr. Tom O'Brien is a functional med- medicine doctor and chiropractor, and he has this, um, the best analogy I've ever heard. Basically, he talks about how your digestive system is just a really long tube, right? It, from your mouth to your bottom, we put food in it. Food is, travels through this tube and is broken down at different stages into the tiniest pieces, Right. We like take a bite of the hamburger. We start chewing it. We're breaking it down with um, sal- like, um, sorry, enzymes start in that saliva. We break it down into our, into mm-hmm. our stomach where we're churning and adding digestive juices. And then it's going into small intestines, intestines with more 
um, enzymes and we're creating hormones and, and then it's going into our large intestine. Our large intestine has this really funky lining. It looks like shag carpet. It's called microvilli or villi. And it basically helps to increase the surface, um, surface area of your gut for absorption. And so it looks like these like long fingers and um, it is covered in a cheesecloth. So a cheesecloth, it's like if you were making gravy and you pour gravy through the cheesecloth, everything that's small enough to go through the cheesecloth runs out, but anything too, that's too big stays in the cheesecloth. So any big lumps or clumps. Your gut lining does the very same thing, right? Our digestive system is breaking down the food into the smallest of particles, and your, that cheesecloth is allowing those particles to get through, to go into your bloodstream, to go into your system, to be able to be utilized by your body. That's how we absorb our nutrients. When we put stress into the gut or we eat certain foods that are harder to digest. So like we know gluten is a big one. Nobody likes to admit gluten is bad for them, but gluten is probably not good for anyone just because it's a really hard protein for us to digest. It's going to be a stress in the gut. Conventional dairy, um, toxins, GMOs. Um, We can also have a gut, um, sorry, uh, bacterial imbalance. So we have good bacteria and bad bacteria in the gut. That can also be really stressful for the gut. So what happens is we create tears in the cheesecloth. We can heal those tears, right? Because our body is a self-healing organism. We're constantly having cell turnover and regeneration. The, um, our digestive system, those cells turn over the fastest. It's about every three to seven days. Um, but if we have cereal for breakfast, we tear in the cheesecloth and then it heals. But then we have a sandwich for lunch, it tears in the cheesecloth, and then it heals. And then pasta for dinner, and it tears the cheesecloth, and it heals. But we do this continuously for days, months, years, depending on your threshold, right? How much stress can you actually adapt to before you start to see this breakdown and dysfunction in the body? At some point, you're going to hit that threshold and that cheesecloth is no longer going to be able to heal. Now we are allowing larger particles of food to pass through the gut lining. So that's where we call it a leaky gut and that's excessive intestinal permeability and that's not healthy because these larger particles passing through the gut lining are going into our bloodstream, but our body doesn't know how to recognize those as building blocks, right? Those aren't, appro- those aren't nutrients that our body's like, hey, I know what that is. So we attack it. And this is where we end up with an immune response. Um, and we actually test this. It's, we look for IgG responses in the body. So in the blood, we're looking for antibodies um, or immunoglobulins that our body has created to basically attack these large particles of foods. And that's why all of a sudden, you know, you can't have tomatoes anymore because your body has mm-hmm. created antibodies and an immune response. And now every time you eat tomatoes, you have 
an, a reaction, right? Now you have a symptom because now you have a body that's responding <laughs> to something that's not harmful, but it is in the sense of how your body's not able to actually deal with it. So, mm-hmm. so, so we, yeah. So now we have a blood, we have a bloodstream that has, excessive antibodies an immune system that's working harder than it needs to all of this is also creating inflammation and cytokines that now are traveling through the system through the blood and we know blood runs everywhere in the body so it's also going to go to the brain um over time Mm -hmm. we have similar to like the gut lining we have a blood brain barrier to the brain and so over time we can actually cause stress to that barrier as well which over time can also break down um so we can then start to see actually effects on the brain from a gut issue um And we see things like leaky brain is what you essentially call it. And that is going to be coming back around to your symptoms of mood, right? Your anxiety, your depression, your OCD or need to like, mostly OCD is like comorbid with those two things, right? Because we're trying to get control of our life. We're decreasing the complexity. Um, But we can also see neurodevelopmental issues. We can see brain fog, we can see chronic issues like um, chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, as well as autoimmune issues. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that is, that is just a whole another side of how the gut affects the brain, more from a pathological standpoint, right? We have dysfunction that's causing wreaking havoc systematically, which then eventually impacts our brain because, yeah, our brain is who we are with if you affect your brain everybody's gonna know (laughs) yeah right absolutely well and I can't tell you how many people or clients I've changed their diets like giving them you know give giving them healthier options and they're like Mm -hmm. wow I can think clearly all of a sudden you know or I don't feel so agitated anymore you know because also along with uh, you know, setting the the um, blood brain barrier aside, when your body's in a chronic mm-hmm. inflammatory um, cycle, you're already going to be aggravated right there because you're you you just are not comfortable, and you can be aggra- aggravated without even knowing. We, it, we, you know, you we, know, again, we are constantly sending feedback to our brain, telling our brain what's going on in our bodies. So it, it is true. You cannot even have actual symptoms and have this impact on your brain that is just like what you said. It's like that irritability, this like uncomfortable or like kind of, you know, not quite, not quite able to think straight cognitively or a little bit anxious um, feeling that can be coming, can be stemming from other things. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So when the blood brain barrier is um, permeated, that's Mm -hmm. where you start to see um, a lot of things like you're saying, Mm -hmm. like OCD, um, trouble focusing, 
um, maybe depression. Yeah, so when we, it's like this stress on the brain. And so luckily, luckily our body is this amazing thing that what we, what we find is we can decrease some of the stress. And food, as, although it's actually one of the harder areas to change, as you probably know, working with people, they have a really hard time making food mm-hmm. changes. It is going to have such an impact on your body because we look at if when we look at certain foods as being stressors so like we we test that IgG response in the body so we look at do we have a leaky gut because right that's because it's going to tell us if we have a whole bunch of things that come back that you're you know building antibodies to or you have an immune response to we know that a lot of big things are passing through that gut lining, which we know then symptomatically, especially talking with the patient, we know that there's probably a leaky brain as well. So we do, we need to decrease the inflammation, decrease this immune response and heal the gut. We need to decrease the stressors to do that. So we're looking at how much stress are you under? How leaky is this gut and how leaky is this brain? Um, and then what specific foods are you reacting to? Um, and again, we see that they're typically these bigger culprits that we already know cause more inflammation or are harder for our bodies to digest. And that's gluten, dairy. Um, we, ironically, some of the other things that come back pretty regularly on these IgG tests are eggs, um, lots of dairy, lots of gluten, eggs, beans, nuts, um, tomatoes, yeah, tomatoes, tomatoes pineapple back. comes back a lot, actually. Um, and so mm-hmm. what we can do is we can start by decreasing those stressor as stressors. So um, we mm-hmm. we uh, try to eliminate those. Um, I'm o- I'm all for people when they're making changes is looking for adding the good before we take away the bad. I find that's a little easier to mm-hmm. to do. So like finding a replacement for your breakfast, if your breakfast contains toast and eggs and you can no longer eat those things, trying to find things that you can add in and start slowly replacing those things um, to decrease the stress. Um, once we de- can decrease some of the stressors, then we can also start to heal the gut um, and doing specific things to help the gut heal right and one some of those things can be food-based um if we look at specific foods that we're going to um introduce um i'm a big fan of omega-3s however form you decide to take Mm -hmm. them in whether you're a fish person or a healthy fat person or you want to take a supplement it doesn't matter to me i'm like hey get as many omega-3s as you can because we also know that those are your natural anti-inflammatories so those are going to help your organs Mm -hmm. help decrease inflammation um and then we want to look at um healthier sources of meat um we want to look at more whole foods as far as vegetables and fruit go um and then looking at um ferments as being good introducing good bacteria to the gut Meat broths and bone broths are high mm-hmm. in like, collagen and nutrients. Um, and why am I blanking on one of my other favorite things to eat? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe think of it. Oh, coconut. Coconut products. <laughs> coconut oil. Um, take a spoonful of coconut oil. That's great for, for helping 
heal that gut. And so we can actively take away certain stressors, but then we can also start adding in things that are going to help to heal the gut. And the, and the gut will heal, right? If you mm-hmm. do an IgG test and you make these changes, six months to a year, you're going to see, um, you're, you could redo that IgG test and you could see a significant change in the things that you're reacting to. And if we're healing the gut lining, then we know we're decreasing the stress within the system, which means we're decreasing the stress on the brain, which we're allowing then that brain blood barrier to heal. And just like what you said, Connie, you change somebody's diet, you immediately start to see, they start to feel better. One thing I think that we Mm -hmm. struggle with now in our society is that we have accepted what is common as being normal. And we have a ton of people that are living living their life not actually feeling that great or, or kind of just feeling okay, um, but they think that that's normal. And so it is really interesting to make a change in someone's life, you know, how when we're working with people chiropractically um, or looking, working with people who are struggling with big challenges, it's, it's seeing that shift in change and their realization that like, oh, I actually really feel good now. Like that, I thought everything I was living with and what I was doing and how I was thinking and processing the world was normal. And now they realize that that wasn't actually normal. That was really just common. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny because I yeah. I get that pushback a lot with people. They're They're like, Oh, well, I, well, I'll use one person for an example. He uh-huh. like loves artificial sweeteners, <laughs> loves uh-huh. them. And that artificial sweeteners can and be a brain. real bomb to your, and your gut. Brain. And he's like, yeah, and, and your brain. And that's actually to segue for one moment. I don't know if you've heard this, but they actually use sugar alcohols to permeate the blood brain barrier via i via iv I for it. some kinds of treatments that they do uh-huh and i was like when i read that i was like holy crap and you're drinking this stuff and letting what else into your body at the same time like things that should normally not be absorbed are being absorbed because you have this um you know this uptake that's on steroids because you're consuming mm-hmm. all these sugar al- alcohols you know um but him, for example, he's like, well, I eat this stuff all the time and I feel just fine. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And you hear that yes. that particular scenario a lot with people. They are like, well, I eat that all the time and I feel fine. Or I eat gluten all the time and I feel fine. Well, you might feel fine, yes. but do you know what fine really is? You know, it, and like you were saying, is it fine or is it common? Is it, is it, um, what is just how people are expected to feel now you know and until you clean things up totally sometimes you don't actually know how poor you were feeling before you know one you might not know what actually does feel good but two you might feel really okay now but for how much longer right because our our bodies are amazing we we put ourselves through so much stress whether it's physical chemical or emotional right whether it's what we're doing you're an athlete too right you know like what's like what we put ourselves through physically sometimes but also then nutritionally and what we're feeding ourselves um or mentally okay right all those all the all the things that we do Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but 
you're at some point you're going to hit your threshold, right? You are adapting and doing your body mm-hmm. is doing the best that it can. And it's most likely compensating and working really, really hard, especially when you are knowingly giving it something that it probably isn't good for it. Like artificial sweeteners, you know, like your body is at some point going to just hit its max. It's going to hit its threshold and you're going to start seeing this breakdown and this dysfunction. And, and that's when symptoms come around, right? It can be pretty sudden where all of a sudden you're going right. to be sick or you're going to be in pain or your body's just going to be like, uh-uh, no more, like, stop. And, and people go like, you know, they t- mm-hmm. I get that a lot, right? Oh, well, I was feeling just fine up until. And it's like, yep but you've been doing this yep. to your body for a really long time. And so, you know, we have to, we have to recognize that just because we feel okay, doesn't necessarily make me make knowing that we're making the right choices. And, and that's another thing too, is just helping people to really understand that by helping them understand and then, feel empowered to be able to make these different choices and take control of their health in a different way. Some people we can't change Connie, so we cannot help them, but most people I think are pretty open to seeing what they're, what things that they can do to be healthier. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And it's funny that you said that because um, I posted a thing about energy drinks not long ago, and I didn't believe it. The, I didn't believe all it had to say in its entirety, but I do think that they are horrible for you. Coming from the standpoint of, you know, I have had some extreme metabolic ramifications yes. from using fat burners, and even though I knew they're wrong, you get to a certain competitive spot in your career where you need to make some changes and you've made every other change. And so I decided to stack those on top of all of it. And um, it's the same kind of thing, too much stimulants, you know, things like that. But I made a post about it and people were like, well, I feel fine. And I drink like this many a day or show me the science behind it or whatever, which I did find a professional on that who will be coming to talk about it. But, uh, (laughs) but anyways, um, somebody with their PhD in exactly that. So um, anyway, but going back to that, they're like, well, I feel just fine. And then, you know, I see that story over and over again where they feel fine and they, you know, eat these things that are just terrible for them. And then, you know, it got mm-hmm. me thinking a lot like, well, how for how long, like you said. And then also now we have this sucrose out, right? And 60 to 70% of your immune oh, system sure. is developed in your gut. And I'm thinking, okay, now we have all these people getting extremely sick and we have the standard American diet mm-hmm. and all this pseudo food involved. And I was like, it is a huge Absolutely. recipe for disaster. Yeah, because yes. Cause I mean, that's just one other way that we are um, communicating in our bodies. So, so much of that too, is like we separate out the different parts of our body as if they're working on their own (laughs) and they're not, (laughs) they're all communicating together. And I love that statistic to tell people like, Hey, 70% of your immune cells are actually created in your digestive or in your digestive system. Right. Just like 90% of your serotonin is created in your gut too. Like everything is working together and plays a 
intricate piece in how you function overall. Um, so being, you know, the whole, like, we are what we eat, we, we are what we eat. We, what we feed our bodies is going to have a huge impact on how we're able to function or how we feel or what information is being relayed to the brain, which is dictating how our brain is able to um, make choices and make decisions so that we can function optimally. Um, but also, just like we said, like, you know, we can do a lot of hard things on our body. And it, it goes back to like the people who say they eat, drink energy drinks all the time and they're fine, right? It's the same goes with somebody who eats junk food all the time and feels fine your body too is also going to get very used to surviving on that it's it's their normal but it's again it's taxed it might not be relaying the appropriate information to you at some point you probably had symptoms like that check engine light probably went on when you ate something that you shouldn't have but you ignored it Right. And you just kept driving until the check engine light mm -hmm. went off. It doesn't mean that what well, it was fixed. The reason why that check engine light was on, it just meant that you ignored it long enough that your body and brain were like, okay, like you're not listening to us. So it's adapting. It's having to adapt mm -hmm. to the stress. But again, that's not ideal and that's not sustainable. Um, and that has ramifications in other systems of your body and if, and eventually, like, yeah, eventually you're going to get sick. <laughs> I hate to say that, mm -hmm. um, yeah. but we're, none of us are invincible, right? We're constantly dealing with stressors and trying to keep our parts and our, our bodies functioning optimally and appropriately relaying information between all these systems because we're this, like, really well-designed machine, but we have to keep it up. Right, right. Yeah, if you don't do the yeah. maintenance on your car, eventually it's going to yeah, break exactly. down. Yeah, exactly. So. So. <laughs> like, you can only drive around on your tires for so long before they're bald. You got to, you got to, yeah. you know, give it some help. So, yeah. All right. Well, so in, in patients that you're seeing that, that mm -hmm. are struggling with these things and you do make changes, is it, does it, I mean, obviously it helps, but are they becoming believers in making changes long-term with this because they've seen such results? I know a lot yeah. of people you see are youth, but I, I would imagine you're, you're talking, um, yeah. you're seeing so some adults we really, as well. We really communicate at, from a very neurological standpoint, you know, with that nervous system being that main system and how your body's communicating and how um, your body is functioning, right? The brain being the master controller of, everything else in the body. And so number one is making sure we're feeding the brain the appropriate information, right? We're creating a nervous system and a neurological, you know, it's like, I would say like kind of like the computer system of your body. We need to make sure that that is functioning appropriately. Um, sometimes when we start working with chiropractically with people, they have, there's an increased awareness of what's going on in their body, which is also really cool. Um, to see them kind of have more connection and a more, yeah, more connection to what they're feeling or, or what's going on in their body. Um, and then our pillar two is, is working to, to help the gut. And those two for us are really tilling the soil 
um, to just create a better environment in a body that's able to heal and a body that's able to grow, right? Part of that, going back to when I was talking about being mm-hmm. in a sympathetic state or a parasympathetic state, we have to we have to get the body to where it's functioning optimally so that it can be more in that parasympathetic state um, where it's not having to work so hard or feel stressed in a sympathetic state where it can grow and heal. So even with, Mm -hmm. and I say even with those two pillars, those two pillars are super important in our patient care and working with individuals. Um, But even with just those two pillars, and this is not even, you know, not going into our full focus program or working with our neurodeflective retraining, which helps to build gaps in development, which really does make huge impacts when we're looking at, um, again, socialization, behavioral learning, developmental challenges, or traumatic brain injury, or just overcoming challenges in that sense. Those two pillars are, we, I have seen the coolest shifts and changes in people's health, um, in their perception of health, in their understanding of health. And I definitely think people, people get it. Um, if they're coming, if, mm-hmm. they're, if they've gotten the understanding that it's not about pain, right? Some, some people are still coming to us very symptomatic mm-hmm. um, and they want that symptom to go away. Um, we don't target symptoms in our practice. Reason being is symptoms are really just a window into how the body is functioning. And so we use them as a tool to help us figure out again what that root cause is and it's me- it, it's not always measurable it's a it's there to kind of help us um but we can see big changes in people's health and sometimes their symptoms that they came in for are still there not not typically um but mm-hmm. then we see wins in other places um and so we we you know when we look at a whole person and we look at a whole body, and we look at overall health, we can start to see wins in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, if we're working with somebody and we see increased range of motion, ability to be able to go back to certain activities, or now they're able to, you know, they're sleeping better, their digestive system is better, their immune system is better. And then we look, you know, into the more neurodevelopmental world, we're seeing people who are able to um, socially recognize situ- or navigate situations better. So they're able to overcome social situations or they're getting over learning challenges and, and going over or, or figuring out how to uh, regulate emotions, right? And that's kids and youth and children, but that's also adults, right? Because we're doing all of those things too we all have mm-hmm. these, you know you may you want to call them quirks but they're really just um we're all in a different place in development we all have different things challenges that we've overcome or learned to cope with but when we look at how the body functions and how that information is relayed to the brain and how the brain is able to function we fill in these health gaps in health right and we we can see really big shifts mm-hmm. in people's lives, and that's, I mean, definitely been the most rewarding thing for me <laughs> in what I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, oh, for sure. You guys do yeah. some pretty incredible stuff. Um, and that's why I tracked you down because I've been thinking for a long, long and, time. And I need to get them you're on gonna my have show such, to talk I mean, about all the things. Get all of me on here, but that lady is she's she's just paving the way in our profession and beyond on just a different way of thinking. And so it's one day you will. You'll you'll get her on eventually. Well, and not a ton of people know this, but well, I do talk about it a little bit in my podcast, but um, that's kind of where I started my health journey. But my son has um, mm-hmm. severe psychiatric issues and we went, at, that's when, oh, I want to say it was like five years ago now, we went to one of her things yeah. and we sat down and we were like in the front row and she after she got done, she like came up to, to us and she's like, I can tell you guys I have a real problem at home because you, the way you looked when I would say certain things, you were yep. like, oh man, that's us, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, it was a huge game changer for sure um, to hear her talk. And the crazy thing was, is we had been to, I don't know how many doctors, how many mm-hmm. providers, how many, everything. We had tried everything under the sun. And nobody was able to help us make any changes. And I was like, no, I told my husband, I was like, let's go, let's go listen to this talk. You know, I think this, you know, why not? Exactly. Let's see what this, what she has to say, what this lady has to say and what she's about. And we were sat there and our minds were blown. Yeah. And (laughs) so it was pretty amazing. And I'm glad we were called, like we had this calling, you know, inner calling to go. And it was like, well, I'm glad we did that because definitely learned a lot about myself as well it's true Um, it's you do you when you learn well one it's as a mom right we are just trying to do everything mm -hmm. we can for our kids and when our kids are struggling or having challenges that's that's hard as a parent that's really hard and even more hard Mm -hmm. you know is and frustrating is like you said going to a whole bunch of different providers trying to find the answers to help your kid and not feeling like you're getting the answers. So I, I definitely think, you know, Dr. Amy no. has developed such a different way of looking at things. Like we always say it's a different lens at which we look at kids and people and behaviors. Um, and it really allows us to understand it so much more. And, and then you, and then you have, then you can have a different tool too to be able to meet your kid where they're at because you have a better understanding of what's going on. So even just getting that information, mm-hmm. I love I love hearing that 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 was helpful for you because um, yeah, most people don't unfortunately haven't had that opportunity and hopefully more will as she spreads her wings across right. the United States and we get more more people understanding what it is that we do. Mm-hmm. And the thing about this method with you guys is you're you're taking individuals' symptoms mm-hmm. and you're treating them as an individual. They're not just a case study. They're not just a um, yeah. It's not just a oh, let's give them this medication or do the, you know? It's you're taking an individual look at things and seeing what could potentially Absolutely. be causing be the root cause of of their actions. So yeah. it's very it's very good stuff, and I'm. Thankful oh. you guys are have a movement Thanks, happening for Connie. this that because it's awesome. That really means a lot. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate any any individuals out there trying mm-hmm. to help people genuinely and not just seeing it as a dollar sign because there's just way too much of that out there. Granted, yeah. we all do need to feed our families and things like that. Um, and we mm-hmm. also have a lot of time invested in our educations and things. But with that being said, there's a certain extent of where we need to really take a step back and and see why we're doing these things. Absolutely. Are we doing it to help people or are we and doing it for the dollar? You, you know, know, that's one of the reasons why so. Dr. Amy has continued for the last 10 years to give her lecture and her work focus workshop for free is because, you know, that information is valuable, but it's also, it should be everybody. You know what I mean? Like it should, and she does, she wants people to have the information because it can be, it's, it's not, it's, how do I say this? It's super impactful. I was going to say, it's just one small little thing, but it's not, it's, it can be hugely life-changing with how you're looking at your child or yourself and your behaviors and what you're going through. Um, but it's to be able to offer that to people. And then if you can work with us, great. That's, you know, that's all the better. But if you can't, it's you're still gaining something and we're still giving you something. So that's super important. Yeah, Absolutely. And if you ever, in, to the audience, yeah. I mean, I have a lot of people that are not local, but to anybody that is local, mm-hmm. if they ever just go and sit in on one of your guys' talks, their mind will yep. be blown. They will look at the world in a whole different light <laughs> because it is really amazing, especially talking about ADHD and autism and, um, you know, sp- disorders on the spectrum. Um, it's really amazing to understand how... Mm-hmm children learn and develop um, especially neurologically and how and why some of these things they do happen and why they There's do them always it is just mind-boggling the behavior they're like you know dr amy says there are no purposeless behaviors they are windows into a brain into a child into a person um, and what's going on and how they're processing the world and so if we can look at that differently and understand it differently then we know how we can help so yeah if you're not local mm-hmm. though if you're not in the Coeur d'Alene North um, we do have webinars that are um, that you can ask for and we will gladly give you that um, and we also are Dr. Amy is now teaching other chiropractors to understand this to also be able to help provide this information for their communities. So if you go to, um, oh, I'm not going to mess this up. Okay, if you go to dramyspolstra.com, we have, you can actually search your area for chiropractors. And that list is growing every, a lot fast. It's growing fast. So hopefully we will have um, chiropractors and practitioners around the country and the world um, that will be able to help their communities with this stuff because it's important. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And what I'll do is I'll have you send all of the information you have over oh, to yeah, me perfect. and I will put that in the show notes too. So people can go and just click on the link from there to find you guys and look you up if they feel inclined. Um, and before we wrap things up here, I'm, this is obviously not yes. intended to diagnose anything or treat anything, but, 
But if somebody feels that they are headed down a road where they might deal with daily, a lot of anxiety, depression, um, you know, all the above obsessive compulsive things, um, where would you, where would you recommend that they start to maybe think of attacking yeah. these things in so, a non-traditional um, yeah, way full disclosure like again I'm a, I'm a chiropractor I'm not a psychologist or a therapist but when we but because of where I work and with what I've learned from Dr. Amy we recognize behaviors as being a window into the brain um, when we look at anxiety um, and depression and you know different kind of I would say like mental health symptoms if we recognize what they Mm -hmm. are that can sometimes I think be the first step Um, as far as when we are having anxiety anxiety is created when we feel like we don't have control or we lack predictability about what's going to happen right we 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 create we we become anxious Mm -hmm. when we can't predict what's going on or we feel like we lack a control and that's in adults and that's also in kids um if we're not quite there yet in development that's going to be harder because we you know if you come to a focus lecture you'll learn but we can't actually visualize what's going to happen so recognizing one why you're having anxiety um depression can a lot of times i think be an overwhelm of you know where we we decrease the complexity of our life we're overwhelmed so we are kind of doing a pulling in right we we deal with stress in different ways sometimes it can be outwardly Mm -hmm. we can deal with stress or we can do a pulling in um, and depression is more of a pulling in, right? How if we're having a hard time processing our world or navigating our world and it's challenging, we're going to kind of revert back and we're going to maybe engage less mm-hmm. in our world or go less places because it's too hard. Um, so, so once we can understand what those two behaviors are, um, I, I find... And, and, it, and maybe this is just me, but once we understand why we might be having the behaviors, sometimes that makes it a little better, right? Um, because we, none of us want to feel those feelings. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times there's increased stress over why, we, because we don't know why we're feeling them. So knowing maybe why we're having mm-hmm. them and then knowing that a lot of people feel these feelings, it's the level of how much it impacts on your life but knowing that most people feel these feelings as well. Um, And then, um, and then doing Mm -hmm. the the small things that you feel that you can handle and that are within your control. So if it's reaching out to a resource or a provider that can give you more information or help guide you through that, because sometimes it's hard for us to pull ourselves out of those two situations. Um, Or if it's, um, doing, you know, doing our own research and just finding the simple things that we can do to push us in the right direction. So um, what can we control in this moment that might help us? Um, and that could be, you know, that could be food, right? That could, if we know the impact that food has on our bodies and we know that food can be a stressor, maybe it's making a different choice in food. Um, maybe it's adding in more good 
um, to help us feel better. Um, maybe it's movement because we know movement feeds the brain appropriate information, which helps stimulate more of those higher brain centers and prefrontal cortex, which is going to get us out of that brainstem if we're feeling anxious and depressed. Um, yeah, sorry, that's not a very like actionable step for most cases because every situation is so different. Um, mm-hmm. There's no, mm-hmm. um, there's no perfect roadmap for each person. And I think, I think you said it, Connie, when, when everybody's very unique in their health journeys and their situations. And so we have to navigate those Mm -hmm. unique situations specific to the the individual. Um, But, Mm -hmm. but I think reaching out and finding someone that you trust as a provider, I I think finding someone who's going to help Mm -hmm. that you trust, that's going to help you make those next steps because then they can know you can confine in them and tell them what's going on and how you're feeling and they can help you make those next steps. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I am so yeah. thankful you took the time to come on today and chat with me about Thank all you. this stuff. I'm so thankful for your knowledge and what you guys are spreading around. And maybe in the future, I we will chat to. again about some other things <laughs> maybe yeah maybe because I would like to to come back around to this and talk a, a little bit more about um yeah neurodeflecting things like that with with kids but that I, are on the but spectrum I would be but that's a whole nother show discuss that with you anytime <laughs> well that about wraps up Dr. Hannah and I's conversation about the gut brain connection I think that the gut-brain connection is a really important factor in our overall health. And oftentimes a lot of people ignore what their digestion is telling them and vice versa because it's kind of a, a big circle. You know, everything works together. Our body is basically a big system of levers and pulleys and one thing affects the other thing. So very important to take a look at our digestion when we're looking at our overall health. I'm so thankful that Dr. Hannah came on the show today. I'm going to include all of her information in the show notes and I hope you enjoyed. Thanks so much.